This is a 30-second stereo radio for Trade School in the Home Depot. Spot code YHTFD00RGA0. Spot title, Project Planning Homeowner 101. So you're ready to tackle a home improvement project on your own. Let's make a plan. Take a free workshop from the Home Depot and get live help from our expert associates. Whether you're upgrading your kitchen or overhauling your bathroom, we'll provide everything you need to get started. You'll know what to look for and what to avoid, so you can take on any project with confidence. Homeowner 101 Livestream Workshops from the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Register now at homedepot.com slash workshops. For TBWA Shiat Day New York and Nissan ISKI code NOAY0005000, spot entitled My23 Ario Launch, GM brand fully loaded 30 second radio spot, stereo mono compatible mixed with Tupop. The all-new Nissan Aria is a fully loaded EV. It's brimming with style mm. and power. Up to 389 horses of it. Innovation and intelligence. E-Force all-wheel drive. It'll pin you to your seat. Your very plush seat. The all-new, all-electric Nissan Aria. Nissan Aria with E-Force expected availability early 2023. E-Force cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. E-Force and 389 horsepower available on Platinum Plus. Nissan calculation using one-foot rollout testing with long-range battery and E-Force only in four with E-Step off. These results are for comparison only and should not be attempted on public roads. Drive responsibly. See NissanUSA.com for details. Welcome to Riffin' with Raph and AD. Coming to you live from the Copple Chevrolet GMC Studios. On air and online at theticketfm.com. Now here's former Huskers, Chris Rapp and Aaron Davis. Play that guitar, AD. Man, I could air guitar a month. I can't play a guitar, but I tell you what, that's one of the greatest intros I think of ever song, man. You know, Ethan, Ethan's like, dude, you gonna mess with my age again, man. E Dog, how old are you, man? I'm 22. 22. Sweet Child of Mine came out in what year? 82? <laughs> nah, nah. No, 88, 87? Yeah, 89. Give or take? Yeah. Folks, one person that was playing during that time, <laughs> one of the greatest rock tracks you ever made, is the greatest, and I know he's one of the most humble guys you'll ever meet, very good friend of mine, uh, former Husker All-American, two-time Outland Trophy winner, Dave Remington. Dave, how you doing tonight, buddy? I'm doing great, guys. How are you guys doing? Doing awesome. Doing awesome. I'm not going to lie. I've probably been excited. I've been excited about this for probably since we got verification that you were going to do this with us. Just I've had so many questions for you over the years, and we're looking forward, you know, to hearing, you know, all about Dave Remington tonight. And just wanted to let our listeners know that they can – Give us a call on the Honda of Lincoln Hotline at 402-464-5685. Or if they have any questions for you, to, te- to text us on the Sarder Heyman Hotline at 402-464-5685. Dave, what are you doing now? What's, what's Dave Remington doing today? What are you doing? We'll, well get more on this uh, later, but what I'm are you doing? helping out the Boomer Esiason Foundation still, but I'm semi-retired. I'm, going to, I'm in uh, Nebraska right now for the... Remington Trophy presentation, which is going to be in Lincoln on Saturday night. Um, so we're looking forward to that. We've got uh, Tyler Lenderbaum from the University of Iowa as our winner this year. Mm-hmm. Excited to uh, to have him come to Lincoln. And we've got Aaron Graham, former Husker, great, um, as our Gerald R. Ford Legends Award winner. Oh, so we've got uh, two centers, and we're looking forward to uh, 
celebrating the position and uh, giving them their due. You know, Dave, this event, and we'll get more into this, but to the listeners out there, Dave has been doing this since 1993, the CEO since 1995. Dave, um, that award, the Earl Gerald R. Ford Award, if just for people to just kind of give them a little background on that, we'll get more of that later, but I didn't want to forget this. Why would you start an award for Gerald R. Ford, former President Ford? Because he was uh, a center that played at Michigan, and uh, he kind of embodies everything you want your center to be. He was a guy that uh, quietly did his job and uh, and went on to great, great things. So, I mean, it's a prestigious award. The Gerald R. Ford Legends Award is a prestigious award, and it's uh, it's been around probably for 10 years or so, a little bit. But, uh, yeah, it's it's just uh, – it's one – it's I, I think it's a great award, it's, especially when we present it. We've got uh, – we've got – some great voiceover work with uh, with President Ford and uh, uh, you. Of course, Aaron has been with us with the Remington Trophy since the, almost the very beginning. Mm-hmm. It's been a long, long time mm-hmm. that he's helped. You know, you've helped us out, uh, and uh, like we're real appreciative of that. Also, I mean, it's just a really nice at night, and uh, I think I think the winner, the college winner, and the Legends Award winner, feel pretty special by the end of the night. Absolutely, Dave. It's always uh, uh, one of the highlights of my year. Uh, to be able to help serve in this in the capacity for the Remington Award, it's, it's just a great night. That video gives me goosebumps every year that I watch it. You know the music that comes in, the voiceovers, etc. If someone, are there still tickets available for that Saturday night? We are we are sold out completely now. I think we're going to have over four hundred people at this event. Oh, so that we're, is we're awesome! Doing really well. I I was a little concerned uh, because of. Uh, the spike that we're having with the the COVID thing in Nebraska, so but uh, it looks like we're, we've got it. We're going to have a full house, and uh, we should be able to celebrate the center position and raise some good money for cystic fibrosis. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. Well, I think I want to ask a question if I could. I don't know if that's mm-hmm. absolutely oh, awesome. Love it, Dave. It's awesome speaking to you, brother. I mean, well, thanks. Yeah, I follow I follow you on Instagram, so oh, I've got I, I see most of your stuff. Oh yeah, you know, and we always we always try to contact you. Me and AD are out on a golf trip, or whatever, just to let you know we're out golfing. Just to... <laughs> I know you guys. I see you guys on the golf course, and anything else, I'm like, you guys have a great life. <laughs> we see... I, I said I'm a retired guy, and you guys are out on the golf course. So I got to get these guys. Out. We we've seen all your travel pictures, though, Dave. You... Yeah, well, I, yeah, I've been to a lot of different places. That's for sure. Yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. I the question I got for you though is is probably be a lot of football questions just because I'm kind of a football nerd like that. But I was just wondering at your time when you played at Nebraska, who was the toughest um player that you'd ever went up against? That's a good question. I don't really I mean I've went against some big name players. I think uh most people would probably say William Perry because uh, we played those guys, Clemson, when he was just a young guy, a freshman. Um, but there was another guy they had, Bill Devane, that was probably just as good or maybe had more endurance than William did at that time. Both great players. They went on to do you know very good things in the pros. Um, I, I really, I'd be honest, I don't remember. I know Pat Dean from Iowa was one of my – these guys were like – we were like uh, – it was like a cartoon character. We were like the sheepdog and, my, and the coyote. I mean, I, when I was on the field, I hated them. But uh, off the field, we were always good friends. So uh, I've maintained my friendship with Pat Dean, and I think he's a heck of a player. And most of the nose guards that even even uh, 
Williams, I got to know when he was at Philadelphia and I was just coming out, he was coming in and uh, got to sit back and have a few beers with him. Good guy. Good. Yeah, most, of, most, of, most of players are really good people. Uh, you know, when we're out there, we're, we're competing as hard as we can against each other. But when it's done, it's done. And it's awesome. It's kind of like professional wrestling, I think. <laughs> <laughs> For me, it was anyway. Yeah. I didn't hold a grudge. <laughs> That's awesome. Is there any game at Nebraska that sticks out to you as maybe your favorite game that you participated in? Well, our era was uh, was Coach Osborne's era that we finally beat Oklahoma on a consistent basis, and and uh, that's what I remember about the eighties. Uh, we were fighting like heck to get to the point that we can compete with Oklahoma and not you know not beat them when we were lucky. We were actually better than them, and we are we're, our players could match up physically, and we had the speed. I mean, that team we had in 82, we had guys who could take it to the house on special teams. We had Irving Pryor that, you know, we got in a jam, he'd take a punt back. Uh, we had great defense, and our offensive line was uh, second to none. We'd come off the ball and smash people. Um, it was one of those things where they knew exactly what we were going to do, and they couldn't stop it, and that's always a great feeling as an offensive lineman. You know, Dave, what you just mentioned there, that, you know, the Irving Friars, Turner Gills, Mike Rogier, uh, of course, yourself, obviously. Uh, starting it off, Ricky Simmons. I can go on and on and on. Um, yeah, we, well, Mark Shaleen was a great. Mark Shaleen. I mean, he helped. He was a you know a guy who could. He he was hit so hard. That guy was a phenomenal player. I mean, he, but you know he was he started late. Maybe as a junior, he started getting some playing time. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, like I said, that whole that whole roster on offense. You know, had Mandelko, Glather, uh, Randy Tice. Uh, Jeff Quapik on our offense, and we had some really, really good players. I mean, it was a lot of fun to play for that. And plus, we were coached by the guy who you never felt like you know he. We all, I always knew that we were gonna we we're gonna do great because he just had a great game plans, and he put the players in the best position to win. Hmm. And that's what a great coach did. And 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 uh, he held you accountable in his own way. I mean, it wasn't he was screaming yell, but you know you had to do your job, uh, or you weren't going to be on the field. Um, that's probably the biggest difference where I've seen these, the, the players today than when I played is they're put on in a, in a position that they got to perform right away where our offensive line, we had like two or three years of each season, and then we get on the field, and we already made our all mistakes on the practice field. And so when we got on the field, we were ready to rock and roll. Um, players now play a little bit more, and if they don't play, they'll hit the transfer portal. So there's a lot more yeah. pressures on coaches that – to try to work guys in back then we just we played the best guys and we, you know there was no we're going to go to a different team we're, we're locked in um and most guys accepted especially offensive linemen that you're going to be there for three years probably before you even touch the field hmm. dave we got a question that came across on the starter Heyman text line uh that says better rivalry was it Bengals versus browns for you or was it huskers versus sooners Oh, Huskers are Sooners. I, I mean, the, the Browns and Bengals, uh, that's a whole different – it's more mercenary in the pros than it is in college. College, it, it means a lot because you've got a whole state behind you. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I just think that uh, in the pros, it's, uh, you know, the, you go to the highest bidder pretty much. And there's, uh, there's you know, you do after a while, you, you go to uh, – you, you get used to the, the Browns and the, and the Steelers and you have some kind of rivalry, but – Growing up in Nebraska, I remember I remember the game of the century, and there's a lot of history behind it. I didn't really know much about the Bengals other than they had the, the coldest game in history in the you know in the playoffs against the Chargers back in the 
maybe 81 or something like that. But uh, I didn't know the history as much, and I wasn't, I didn't live the history. Hmm. Here, I was, I was, I watched it. Lyle Bremser on, uh, on the radio, I'd listen to him and play in the yard and do all that type of thing. And I was a big football fan before I was a football player. And uh, so that, it always means more to, you know, the Nebraska thing and that's a lot more. Dave, why did you, okay, two questions here. First mm-hmm. of all, you, you kind of answered that right there, why you chose Indy, but why did you choose it, Nebraska? And what was the impact that Coach Osborne had on you as well as Boyd Epley? Why in you, the impact that Coach Osborne had on you as well as um, Boyd Epley, and I would even say Mike well, Arthur in there as well. Well, Mike, Mike and Boyd were, were the top of their game. And when they, when they were there, they're young men and uh, very hungry. And uh, we, you know, we wanted, we were, you know, we, we would do in, in a, as much as we could to, to, you know, be the best players we could be. And uh, Coach Osborne was a guy who, who uh, you know was always prepared and was a motivator in his own way, but he wasn't a screamer and yeller like he had some coaches. But he was a guy who always puts you in the best position to win, that's and that's the thing I'll remember about him. And there's never a time where I go, "Why did we do that?" I knew exactly why he did that uh, because it all made sense. I mean, and a lot of the coaches I had, I was like, "Why?" You know, I would question them. I never coached. I never questioned Coach Osborne, mm-hmm. but uh, Boyd Epley, he was one of the first, uh, you know, strength coaches. He might have been the first ring coach. I think he period. was. And then, uh, you know, we had a facility that started off uh, not great. And then we kind of worked into, we had the Taj Mahal after a while where everybody else had just their little, you know, back room, weight room. And we had a ginormous weight room with uh, everything we possibly could want mm-hmm. um, in there. And, and they had uh, no excuses and not being the best. because We had everything out there ready to roll. All we had to do is, is get in there and use it. And we did, and they made sure we did. So, and he was uh, innovative in some of his stuff with, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the strength coach, uh, the strength uh, index that he came up with. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, he had a bunch of guys who wanted to be strong and wanted to go out there and do that stuff. So it wasn't—he didn't have to really go after us. Mm-hmm. Uh, guys like Mike and and some of the the the, uh, the 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 guys who were you know carried the football and some of the you know playmakers. You know, they maybe not, they might didn't like the whip that much, but the offensive line, the front guys, <laughs> we always wanted. It was like, man, this this set me in here. If I could have made a living just lifting weights and, you know, doing that stuff, I was like, I'd have done that. But I loved it. I, mean, I, I just loved it. So. You know, Dave, what's phenomenal is that you mentioned the impact. And Boyd, actually, they were just did a thing on, um, I think it was ESPN 150, just on yeah. strength and conditioning, how Boyd was, uh, the, you know, basically the godfather of the modern-day strength and conditioning programs in college football. Mm-hmm. And the funny story is, he goes, Devaney told him, if, if my players get slower, you're getting fired. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm going to fire you. Well, that was the thing that they, you know, all the strength coaches that were around, you know, in that era and above, they, they were afraid to get fired because of the guys would get muscle-bound. They always thought, well, these guys are going to get muscle-bound. But that was the farthest from the truth. I mean, it, I mean, guys have been lifting for years and years now. And, and Frank Solich was before his time, he lifted, and he was a really strong guy, yeah, he and was. Uh, was an exceptional football player. Um, so you know, they should have they should have known that guy that weight training would improve uh, performance. Awesome. Got another question again. I'm sure you'll probably be tired of me by the end of the night asking all these questions. But the question I have for you is, um, 
how much of the offense from back between 80 and 82, do you still remember the offense? Like, do you still know the plays and stuff? And then, uh, you, you know, that the plays haven't changed that much. You got the, you got the uh, pitches, you got the traps, you got the ISOs. I mean, there, I tell you what, we could run, uh, you know, our plays, I, any diff, defense they would throw up there, they could put any kind of defense up there and we could, we, I would, you know, had no doubt we could crease them for, you know, five or six yards. Cause if you block your guys, you're going to, I don't care what they put up there. I, I, we're going to get five yards. And, uh, you know, it's a little different now. It's a little different now. You know, my era was a knuckle dragger, knuckle dragger era where I, I was, for, you know, both my hands were on the ground. My tail end was up in the air, and I would just fire out. Now, that doesn't fly anymore. You can't do that because uh, so many plays are, are predicated on cutbacks and things like that. When we, when we call the play, the hole was the hole. We we're going we to gonna make it. The hole. I mean, anymore, you know, the running back will go one way and cut behind a whole, you know, bunch of guys getting wa- uh, getting caught in the wash, and he'll take it to the house from the backside. But it doesn't, uh, you know, when I played, it didn't happen that much. We we would make them, you know, they they would honor the inside game, inside game, inside game, and then they'd take a pitch and then or an option and take it all the way to the house. I mean, that's how we played. It was a little different than they do now, but you know, different era. You know what, Dave, it's, it's a different era, and I agree with you in that, you know, schematically things have changed a little bit. But at the end of the day, it's still running, blocking, and tackling. End of the mm-hmm. day, regardless of what scheme you're running, et cetera. There was a certain pedigree that you and Grimager and um, the, rest of your co- the rest of your teammates had during that time. There was a nastiness that you guys had. Now, of course, to your point, you know, Schemes have changed, et cetera. Um, uh, you know, RPOs, run pass options, et cetera. But like you said, we know we're going to get five yards in this. Remember Aaron Graham uh, and then Zach Weigert, who just, you know, just inducted to the College Football mm-hmm. Hall of Fame as well. And this is a true story. We're literally told them we're going to run the same play again and told them where the play was going and did it. Yeah. You basically just described that from an 80s perspective. You guys were really – the godfathers, if you would, of just establishing that nastiness on the offensive line. And, and Graham and those guys would be the first to tell you that you, they looked back at you guys and looked up to you guys because there was a standard that you guys set. Now, granted, schemes have changed, but what was your mindset on offensive line as well as your teammates as far as we're going to be the most physical team in college football, the most offense, the most physical offensive line in college football? What was the mindset that you took during those games? Well, I, I think that uh, most of the guys, you know, we were we were guys who were Nebraska kids by the most part. We were, you know, I'm six two if I'm on a soapbox. I mean, I'm not, I am not that tall. And most of the guys were six foot three, but we were guys who were going to get the job. But first of all, we knew all our assignments. We didn't hardly ever anybody jumped offside. Mm. I mean, just didn't do it. It just because if you did it in practice, they would just take you out, and then you put somebody else in there. So, I mean, we didn't make mistakes. We were a group that knew their assignments because we were, you know, we were actually practicing for three years before we even got a chance to you know, do a curtain call and actually do it in a game. So, I mean, it was just we were prepared. We knew everything you could possibly We'd seen it all before, and we were just out there doing it. And once, it, you know, it's, it's all momentum. And once you get yourself believing and seeing I mean, it's really easy to keep that up. I mean, all you have to do, you just, you just do what you do all the time. And we didn't think about it. We just went out 
we broke the huddle like five refrigerators coming off of, you know to the to the line of scrimmage, and teams would actually look up and they go, "Here we come!" and they're coming right at us, and we can't do a thing about it. Hmm. You know, and first, you know, they would bring their linebackers up, and they would do all these things to try to screw it up. But you know, we would we'd find a crease, and we would we would hurt them um, eventually. And indeed, sometimes you know they would guess right, and they would do some stunts that screw you up. But you know, eventually you got your way with them. You just did. And it was just confidence and momentum. You get momentum, you gain confidence, and and the thing starts growing on you. And then pretty soon the whole team is feeling the same thing. There was never a time that I thought we'd ever lose a game. I mean, I, I, I never even questioned it. I was like, okay, when are we going to come back? If we were behind, we're going to come back and win this thing. We've got too many players that are will not accept this. I mean, we had guys who were on special teams, on, on defense. Somebody's going to make a play. And, and I'm hoping it's I'm the guy that can spring the guy that's going to score that touchdown or, you know, that type of thing. I mean, we were just confident. You know, it, and it comes because of the fact that we paid our dues. And before we got on the field, we knew exactly what we had to do. Mm-hmm. Nebraska wins because, of their, because they don't make mistakes. You cannot make mistakes as an offensive lineman. You have to be perfect. You can't go out there and do anything that's going to jeopardize the guys who make you know, the, the, the guys who score the touchdowns, the playmakers. You cannot be the guy that's going to screw this up because a five-yard or ten-yard penalty in, in a big game, are, it's, it's really hard to, to, to get that back. Mm. You know, so you're going to make sure you've got to be perfect. Mm. And most teams, Midwest teams who are really good, they're really solid on not making any mistakes, and they have one or two guys who can, you know, difference makers in the special teams. Um, you know, so that's that's all I should say about that. <laughs> Dude, you have me about ready to run through a wall just listening <laughs> to that, man. I mean, the part that I like, I mean, everything you said, but Remy, when you mentioned this, she goes, we will not lose. I mean, that was just the bottom line. We will not lose. It was not, not the lose. mindset back then. I mean, it was like, okay, we came back. You know, everybody had – I had a history of watching Kelly Saulfield, Rick Bonnet, mm. uh, Doug Dumler. I mean, you go back and forth. I mean, these, these guys, I'm 62 years old. I still remember as a kid watching these guys play football. And I'm like, I want to be like that someday. And that's the guys I want to be like. I want to be an All-American. All-American centers at Nebraska were a dime a dozen back then. Wow. They really were. I mean, Rick Bonas, I know he's All-American. Kelly Salva was close to being – I think he was an All-American. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, and I got there a couple times and did it and – and also, and uh, Aaron Taylor, and I mean, this is a position that Nebraska kids and can do well in, and they can recruit it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, to have an if you're going to come into Nebraska, you, you got to have a great offensive line. If you're going to win at Nebraska, you got to have a great offensive line and a decent defensive line. But you got to have a great offensive line. That's the way I think of things. All right, we have got a question coming in on the Sutter Heyman text line at 402-464-5685. And the question we have for you, Dave, is during your era, who was the best Nebraska football athlete that, that, or who you thought was uh, the best athlete? Well, I, I mean, I, I love Mike Regier. I love Roger Craig. I, lo- I love Irving Fryer, Jamie Williams. These guys are all great players. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, I don't know. I think the best player ever to play at Nebraska, Johnny Rogers. I mean, this, I, I remember as a kid, 1970, 71, when they played Oklahoma, the game of the century. And I was like, this is the best football player I've seen. I've never seen anybody move like that and be able to cut on the dime. Um, 
it was phenomenal. I mean, the guys that they had back in, you know, there's been a lot of great players. Omaha and Nebraska has always been vastly underrated on the number of really high-quality players that come out of the state. I mean, we were always we went through a phase where we were trying to get all these guys with, you know, seven-inch hands or whatever the heck they were measuring to, to see how good of players they were. I'm like, well, what difference does that make? Uh, you know, it, it, I mean, they, they're actually measuring the guy's hands. I go, what the, what does that mean? What, what are we, we're going to be receivers or what is this? And I, um, but I think Nebraska's always had really good tight ends also. Uh, yes. it's, it's just, you know, we have a lot of players that come out of the state that if we don't pick them up at Nebraska and we don't build a, a fence around the state, hmm. we lose them to other places. You know, it's a different era, though, and I recognize that. Now there's, you know, teams like North Dakota and South Dakota that back in the day nobody would even consider. Somebody would say, you want to walk on in Nebraska or you want to go to North Dakota? Because they're going to Nebraska every yeah. time. Now that's changed because mm-hmm. North Dakota's become, uh, a, you know, football powerhouse in own right, uh, and we didn't have the competition, let's put it that way, Absolutely. that they have now. Dave, we sure appreciate it, man. We're going to keep you on. Will you, will you have time to hang on for a little bit, Wars? Sure, sure. Absolutely. We're going to go to commercial break, and we'll have more back with two-time Outland Trophy winner Dave Remington. This is a 30-second stereo radio for Trade School in the Home Depot. Spot code YHTFD00RGA0. Spot title, Project Planning Homeowner 101. So you're ready to tackle a home improvement project on your own. Let's make a plan. Take a free workshop from the Home Depot and get live help from our expert associates. Whether you're upgrading your kitchen or overhauling your bathroom, we'll provide everything you need to get started. You'll know what to look for and what to avoid, so you can take on any project with confidence. Homeowner 101 live stream workshops from the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Register now at homedepot.com workshops. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com home dash trial.